Taking our Bible reading today from the book of Psalms, Psalm 107, we'll begin reading at verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And we're going to draw our attention this morning to verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And this morning, today, for a little while with the Lord's help, I'd like to preach on a message titled, A Testimony of Thanksgiving. A testimony of thanksgiving. Pastor Devonshire, sir, if you would please stand and ask the Lord's blessing upon the message. For each one that we gather together for the privilege to fellowship with one another, but most of all with you. Thank you, Father. If we started today, we could never thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, receive our thanksgiving, our praise to you, and bless this service that our hearts be tuned in to receive what you have given to your servant. God, we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The word testimony is a word that is often misunderstood. To testify, it means to make a solemn declaration under oath for the purpose of establishing facts, as in a court or before an assembly. It means to make a statement based on personal knowledge or belief, or to serve as evidence or proof. Testimony, testifying, is administered and entered into evidence in court proceedings. In court cases, sworn testimony is delivered by eyewitnesses of a particular event. And oftentimes, field experts are brought in in, uh, to testify on their area of expertise and how it demonstrates the facts of the situation. And the testimony is evidence that is entered into the court record to prove or disprove a case. People make a judgment. The judge, or in many cases a jury, will make a a determination or a judgment based on the testimony that is entered into evidence. And when it comes to testifying, we do testifying in church today. There's lots of uh, different uh, testimonies uh, when we have uh, guest preachers when we come into town are often uh, asked to testify. Different people are often asked to testify. And, and sometimes the, the testimonies may not, uh, may not uh, uh, strike the proper chord in many instances. It's a sad thing that sometimes when, when people testify, they, they might be trying to lift up themselves in some kind of way and, uh, and show some spirituality that, that they might have uh, when uh, that's not really the goal of what the testifying is. Uh, we, we don't want to be that guy. We don't want to be that 
person. And so the purpose when we testify, really the essence of, of what we are doing when we testify, is we are bringing forth evidence before the assembly of the good things that God has done in our lives. Uh, those are the testimonies uh, of that uh, that really have the most meaning because uh, we're not trying to lift up ourselves uh, or lift up someone else, uh, but when we begin to lift up God uh, and to edify Him and give factual evidence uh, based on first-hand accounts uh, and the expertise that we have in living for God, uh, then God is glorified by that testimony uh, and then uh, in turn everyone who hears it uh, can judge and render a decision uh, as to the goodness of God. Uh, Again, uh, to give testimony is to present uh, eyewitness, uh, first-hand testimony, uh, to be an expert uh, of the manifold blessings of God uh, and His goodness toward us, uh, to bring that evidence before the court, uh, before the assembly here today, uh, and submitted it to the public record uh, of the hearts of every person uh, of the truth uh, of the goodness of God. Psalmist said, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, and His mercy endureth forever. Praise God. We have to make sure the object of our testimony when we testify of God that the object of our testimony is clear and in focus. That object is God. He says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. And this phrase, oh, give thanks, it's good. And it, in the English King James Version of the Bible, it's a good iteration of, of the word in the original text. But in the original text, it has a deeper meaning that we want to talk about. It means a strong expression or confession of praise and thanksgiving that is cast he or projected outward. It's not something that's just uh, uh, handed and given to someone, uh, but it is something that is uh, projected outward and cast abroad towards the object uh, that you are trying to give praise and adoration to. A few minutes before the service, I was coming down the uh, aisle here, and uh, and uh, uh, the the brother that's sitting right there on the corner, he uh, as at right as I was coming around the corner. He, uh, his hands went up like this, uh, and it, it felt like as I was going by that he was going to give me a hug. It felt like he was reaching out to me and give me a hug, and I turned, and I was going to reciprocate that hug, and I looked, and his eyes were uplifted. And that was, a, that was an expression of outward gratitude and thanksgiving to God. It wasn't intended for me, but it projected outward so that God could receive it. And this is really what we want to do when we are giving our thanks to God. Thanks isn't always expressed to God in words. Sometimes it's also expressed in deeds. When I was in Bible school, there was a brother, he shared a story with me at how he would give several brethren, I think there was three or four brothers that would ride with him to work. And, uh, and the brothers, they would always, whenever payday came around, they'd give him some money and they'd say, thank you, brother, for giving me a ride to work. 
And he, uh, he said this, this one fellow, though, he said he would never, he would never uh, give that money. He would ne- and he said, I wasn't looking for it. I really didn't need it. Uh, but uh, he said, it, and it was weird. He said every time after work, we'd be hungry. He'd say, hey, bro, can you go buy McDonald's? Can you go buy McDonald's? I want to get something. And we'd go through the drive-thru. And he said, that, and the brother, normally if someone's giving you a ride and, and uh, you're, you're a passenger in their vehicle, and you're asking them to take a detour, you would say, hey, bro, can I get you anything? He said, but never once did this guy offer to even buy me a Coke or or anything. And uh, that began to weigh on him a little bit. And over the course of of weeks and months, he said, one day I I dropped all the brethren off and the first brother got out and he said, hey, brother, God bless you. Thank you so much. And and gave me 20 bucks and dropped the next guy off. and, uh, And then he gave him a little something and then the third guy dropped him off and he gave him a little something and then he, he got to the last one and that same guy got out. That, it was that guy, one of those guys, right? He got out and just said, thank you, bro, and just walked away. And the brother looked at him and, and uh, you know, it was probably brewing for a little while. He said, hey, bro, thank you is green. He said, thank you is green. And uh, he said, the next morning... That fellow found a ride with somebody else. Now, he didn't kick the guy out of his car. He was going to continue to give him a ride and be a blessing to him. But, but that guy, he wasn't thankful. Uh, and so he found somebody else. Uh, and that kind of stuck with me over the years. Uh, I said, that we, I kind of joke with different ones about it. Thank you is green. Uh, not that we're looking for anything. Uh, but uh, it is a gesture that shows the appreciation uh, that is more than mere words. Uh, it is an action uh, that follows through. He said, oh, give thanks, give thanks unto the Lord, give thanks to the Lord. The psalmist is telling us to make this expression of praise and thanksgiving and direct it towards God. True thankfulness in its very nature comes from within and it has to project outward onto something else. If that thankfulness that we might experience in our heart, unless it is act upon, acted upon, it begins to wither away and die. The Bible tells us that faith without works is dead, being alone. Or you can say it this way, faith without works dies all by itself. And it works the same way when it comes to thankfulness. Thankfulness, thankfulness, unless it is expressed, unless it is projected outward, it just withers on the vine and dies away. And so the psalmist is telling us, he's imploring us, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. That's what Thanksgiving is all about. Thanksgiving is all about giving thanks to the Lord. That's why we separate, why this fourth Thursday of November was separated and established as a national day of thanksgiving to God. 
is a national holiday of public prayer and thanksgiving so that a a nation with grateful hearts uh, so that they could acknowledge the God Almighty and His manifold blessings that He has given uh, to all of us. Uh, An entire nation uh, separating a day, uh, giving confessions of thanksgiving and praise to God uh, for all that He has done. Uh, I'm preaching today about a testimony uh, of thanksgiving. And there's a lot of things that surround thanksgiving that we participate with in thanksgiving that are good. A brother was talking about the cupcakes. They're good. I'm going to try to find one of those a little bit later on. But beside all of those things, the real focus of our adoration today and our thanksgiving should be upon God. It's not about the food. It's not about football. It's not even about family and friends. Those are things that add to the goodness of that God has blessed us with. Amen. It's not friendsgiving. It's thanksgiving. It's thanksgiving. They're trying to change thanksgiving to friendsgiving. And it takes the true essence and the meaning out of it. To try to take God out of the origin of it, right? It's like uh, taking uh, Thanksgiving out of, uh, taking God out of Thanksgiving is like taking Christ uh, out of Christmas. Uh, It it, it doesn't compute. Uh, We need to realize uh, and understand uh, that God is the source of all the things that are good in our lives. Amen. Not saying it's not good to get together with friends and family. But it's even better when friends and family get get together and thank God for His goodness. Amen. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, and His mercy endureth forever. There are so many things when we flip through the Rolodex of our memory of, uh, and, and begin to think and express the, the wonderful things that God has done, uh, we could heap so much praise and thanksgiving to God for. Uh, when we think about salvation, uh, when we think about grace, uh, when we think about Jesus, uh, when we think about what He's brought us from uh, and what He's done for us, uh, the high price uh, that was paid, uh, all of these wonderful things that he has blessed us with in our lives. But here the psalmist, he wants us to focus our attention to the source of all of these things. He's giving us a starting point for our praise and thanksgiving. He's giving us the place where we need to go that sets everything else on fire when it comes to thanksgiving. He said, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Say it with me today. He is good. Amen. Now say it and let that goodness of God fill up your heart and begin to project that outward toward Him. Oh, give thanks to God for He is good. Amen. All the time, right? All the time. The goodness of God speaks of His excellence. And his righteousness and his willingness to bestow his goodness. 
to us. That's really when we think about how God is so good. He's all of these things that are so amazing. But the essence of it is he wants to bring all of that goodness and give it to us. The goodness and love that God has toward us is the source of everything that God does for us. It's the source of everything. There's a song that was in my heart as we were driving down this morning, and you probably know it. It's called The Goodness of God. And it's a song, it's an expression of thanksgiving for God's goodness. It says, you've led me through the fire. You've been close like no other. You've been my father. You've been my friend. So I'm going to testify. I'm going to sing to the world about the goodness of God. They they go on. It's a goodness I can't escape. It chases me down and it runs after me. Aren't you glad today that God's goodness, it runs after us and chases us down and brings us back to the place where we can be in his goodness. A testimony of thanksgiving. For he is good and his mercy endureth forever. God's mercy. Give thanks for his mercy endureth forever. The mercy of God is the fact that God wishes nothing more than to bestow all of his divine goodness and favor upon our lives even when we don't deserve it. Remember I mentioned that the defining characteristic and trait of God is his love and his goodness toward us. God is also a holy God. God is also a righteous God. God is a a God of, of pure justice and judgment. But if those were the defining characteristics of God, then every person who's ever committed a sin would be worthy of death and judgment And we all are. But the mercy of God prevails over God's need for justice. In that he made a way that through his son Jesus Christ that we could come to him. God's judgment was poured out upon Jesus. He bore the reproach and penalty. But it was all born out of the mercy and the love of God. So that we could come and experience his goodness. Hallelujah. His abundant grace, this unmerited favor of God, His goodness, He gives to us. This is what the psalmist is saying, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, and His mercy endureth forever. And then comes our job. Verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Let the redeemed begin to tell the world of the goodness and the mercy of God. This is our job. This is our responsibility. This is our obligation to begin to tell everyone the God that had delivered us and brought us out and express his goodness to all the world. That word redeemed, it means to be delivered from bondage. 
to be delivered from bondage, slavery, and oppression. And not, not just to deliver, to be redeemed, to, you can rescue, you can do a jailbreak, you can do a jailbreak on somebody. Please don't try to do that, right? Don't go try to break somebody out of prison. You'll get in trouble for it, right? Because the law is going to come after you, right? But Jesus didn't just do a jailbreak. He didn't just come to, to uh, uh, sneak us out by, by the, by the uh, wee hours of the morning uh, uh, to break, break us out of prison. He didn't tunnel his way in uh, so that he could bring us out. Uh, no, uh, there's no pursuer. That, that word redeemed, uh, it also implies uh, that the Redeemer has conquered the one uh, that had us bound. Uh, he has uh, uh, defeated the one uh, that had his oppression uh, upon us uh, so that we no longer have to live in fear and worry over the death and Satan and whatever else that God has redeemed us from. He has severed the ties. He has brought us out. He's given us a new land. He's redeemed us. We don't fear of what we left. We've been redeemed. Think of the children of Israel. He said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those that have been delivered, those that have been set free, those who are walking in newness of life, let them say, let them tell the world, let them testify with thanksgiving of the goodness of God. Think about the children of Israel, how they emerged on the other side of the Red Sea. They were fearful because Pharaoh was mighty. Pharaoh was powerful. God had already demonstrated his, his authority and his power over Pharaoh, but, but nevertheless, they were there on the banks of the Red Sea. Pharaoh and his army were bearing down upon them. And then God began to work his deliverance. God began to work his redemption. God had brought them out of Egypt, and now he was conquering that foe so they could never have to worry about Pharaoh again. And we know the account how uh, how the water stood up on end uh, and how the children of Israel passed through on dry ground uh, and Pharaoh and his army tried to pursue in after uh, and begin to get stuck uh, and as soon as the children of Israel emerged on the other side of the river then the Bible says uh, the waters came down uh, it came crashing down uh, and destroyed Pharaoh uh, and all of his armies uh, imagine the liberating feeling in the hearts uh, of those children of Israel uh, on the other side of the bank of the Red Sea uh, as they saw their foe uh, they saw their oppressor uh, defeated for the whole world to see. Uh, That's exactly what Jesus has done for us uh, in defeating Satan uh, in defeating sin uh, in defeating uh, death and hell uh, upon the cross. A testimony of thanksgiving I like this verse right here. Paul writing in Colossians chapter 5 again. He didn't just sneak us out of bondage from sin. He said in Colossians chapter 2 verse 15, he said, In having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And I love how that's worded there. 
because uh, uh, it's just Jesus defeated Satan and death uh, for the whole world to see. Uh, it wasn't uh, hidden. It wasn't done uh, in, in a corner. Uh, it was done for the whole world to see. Uh, it was a demonstration uh, in the face of Satan of his triumph. It's like Jesus went and took that life that he had just secured and, and spiked it in the face of the devil. How many, how many like that when, when someone scores a touchdown, they take that ball and they spike it. They're letting them know that we defeated. Your defense tried to stop us and it couldn't. That's what I envision when I read that verse right there. He said, therefore, he said, and having spoiled principalities and powers, uh, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now, my family and I, were quite competitive when it comes to uh, games and things like that. And uh, my wife has a phrase that she uses when she wins. She'll say, in your face disgrace. <laughs> She'll say, that's an in your face disgrace. <laughs> It's not hidden. It was done publicly. I beat you. (laughs) And so we'll throw that back around. In your face, disgrace. Well, that's what Jesus did to the devil. It was an in your face, disgrace. Praise God. We've been redeemed. You don't have to fear. We don't have to fear we can walk in newness of life. We don't have to worry about the sins of the past chasing us down and ensnaring us again. Why? Because we've been redeemed. He said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. A testimony of thanksgiving. That's what it is. Talking about it. Telling about it. Demonstrating to God. So the world could see of his goodness. Paul writing to the Corinthians, he said, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That's an expression from within that also carries without. From our spirit. Spirit, praise God, glorify God in our body, testify God with our actions, with the things that we're doing, not for our own glory, not for a show for someone to pat you on the back, but because the God that saved you, the God that brought you out, the God that's been so good, the God who gave you so much mercy, even when we were undeserving, we began begin to declare in our whole lives the glory of God. And we have to stay thankful. As they begin to come to the instruments. This Psalm 71 or 107. Psalm 107. It's a wonderful, wonderful psalm. And if you look at the way the psalm is constructed... It's constructed in five different sections, almost like five different verses or stanzas. That's what, that's what psalms are. It's referred to as the hymn book of the Old Testament. And it's organized into five different repetitious stanzas. It starts with, with verse 1, right? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, and His mercy endureth forever. But then as you keep reading... 
it's, it follows a pattern where there is a little bit of a wandering and a, a, a laziness or, a, or a, a, a fog that the person might enter in because of the things of life, followed by trouble and calamity, followed by a realization of the situation and cries for dis, uh, cries of despair, followed by restoration and redemption. Uh, this is the cycle that repeats uh, five different times uh, in this psalm. Uh, and uh, again, it repeats itself five times. Uh, then after that next verse, uh, it says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord. Uh, it's almost uh, instructive in a lament of sorts because if men would just praise the Lord, if men and women, the people of God, would just continually praise the Lord, then the calamity that just happened probably would not have happened. Then whatever calamity was coming after wouldn't happen. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. A testimony of thanksgiving when we begin to look at our lives and God and what He's done for us, we begin to realize that He's been so good. We didn't deserve it. But He's good anyway because it's who He is. And we worship God not because of He might be able to give us a good job if we do the right thing for a little while. Not because we could get this or that, but because of who He is. What He means to us. We all begin to find a place to pray and look to the Lord. If you want to give thanks to God today, why don't you give Him thanks? Let that expression come from your heart, from your soul, from deep within. Begin to project it out to God. Find His presence on this day of thanksgiving. Give it to Him. God bless you today. God loves you.